Hello, I'm Sersha, your Rebel Ma host for all boobs blazing for the feminine rising, the podcast for women to receive all we need to remember and believe we are worthy and capable of having it all. So together we can rise in peace, power, pleasure and play and not waste another day rushing and pushing in the old patriarchal way. Together, we'll ignite the flames of transformation, burn away limitations, and light the path to true liberation through our own radical awakening with all boobs blazing for the feminine rising. Let's do this, sisters. Oh, oh my God. Do, 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 do. I have the incredible, amazing, beautiful, and fucking absolutely badass. Sarah Richardson here with us today on All Boobs Blazing for the Feminine Rising. And um, it's just such a fucking honor to have you here. You've been in my sphere for a couple of, only a couple of months, I guess. But I mean, I fell in love with you at love at first sight. The minute I heard you fucking sprout out all of the magic coming from your mouth. And, you know, I'm just so in awe of all that you're creating as a band fasta and a band You can tell me if I'm right here with the with the pronunciation of our beautiful native tongue, Oskelga. And you are, I love the uh, intro on your Instagram for the leader in the orgasmic birth of the new earth. And that's what I'm fucking talking about, sister. So that's what we're going to be chatting about here today. And I'm very excited to have you here. So thank you for finding the time, girl. Oh, thank you. And I actually love hearing you speak. Should be sometimes when you hear someone explain who you are, you're like, Jesus. Because <laughs> whenever somebody <laughs> asks me, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a midwife. <laughs> They're like, I know. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that keeps it simple. I mean, this you're going to have to explain a little bit more about what yeah. that actually means for those yeah. of us listening who don't maybe speak in, in Osgeelga or have no idea what these kind of ancient ways that you're bringing back to the modern world in order to help women free themselves and wake up to the magic and the fucking mystery within. Yeah, well, my pleasure. I'm going to first show you. I know you might not be able to see this if you're listening, but this is, hang on, i move this out of the way. This is a 200-year-old birthing stool from Ireland. So it's like made from oak. Um, and obviously the Bangluna was the handy woman. So she was like the medicine woman. She was probably a witch. You know, she was like the, the wise woman of the village. She usually lived on the outskirts of the village. People would travel to her. And the Bangluna literally means woman on her hungers. So, I mean, you've worked with birth before, like a lot of the time when you're with a woman in labor, you're on your hungers, you're in all these mad positions, you know, anything to make that woman comfortable, you'd be like twisted and fucking everything. So the woman on her hunkers was really just a handy woman. So she was with you through birth, through death. She was a keener, a band queen, which literally means the crying woman, which is like a really ancient practice and art form of like grieving and keening and lamenting and singing. And a lot of the time for me, like this song comes through me and I never really understand what's coming through. But this song is so ancient and people are just like, when you started singing that, I started flashing into all these ancestral memories of like losing babies or losing a partner or whatever it was. So like the whole, like the band Gluna was just such a pivotal part of like society in Ireland. And, you know, when I look at, at the birth in world, like what I see, like I'm in it 13 years and I what I see is two extremes. It's like there's the extreme of like the medicalization and then there's the extreme of completely like free birth and no, no help at all. And like we can like the extremes are never, you know, like especially with the feminine, it's all about like the flow of like tasting and sampling and sensing and stuff like that so we can't be in in either extremes and when I look at the birthing world I'm just like there's such a gap of like the space between and I suppose that liminal space is where I love to play you know like that is birth and that is death is that space between and I think birth is an altered state of consciousness like you've you've birthed you know 
it is non-ordinary and we can't make sense of it in the ordinary world. We just don't have anything to explain it. It's in a different dimension. And I think in order to really play with that rite of passage of birth and of death, we need to venture into the other world to uh, to really understand what's happening. You know, so that's why I like to bring more of the shamanic side and the spiritual side to midwifery. Um, mm. And it's just not there, you know, and it's sometimes it's hard because I'm the one going forward being like, like what I'm looking for isn't doesn't exist, you know. So like when I was, you know, training as a midwife, I was just like, oh, it's just missing something. You know, I worked in um, a Dublin maternity hospital and I was just like, yeah, like I can feel it, but just like there's something missing. So. um, So, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to bring back this ancient wisdom that, you know, birth was, you know, especially in Ireland, you know, we're so connected to the she, the fairies, you know, so it was a non-ordinary experience. Yeah. And I mean, it's so fascinating and beautiful that you are kind of answering that call to, you know, reclaim those ancient rites of passage that were robbed from us from the patriarchy and to help women to remember. And it's not even only midwifing birth now. You midwife people's dreams. You midwife people's rite of passage from maiden to mother or maiden to matriarch even, which is the fucking powerhouse women that, you know, we have in our lineage that, you know, are so strong and have forgotten. So many of us women have forgotten to be able to access that power and strength from within. And I just absolutely love that. And I know that you recently wrote a book called Woman, which is all about this kind of the phases of womanhood and how we can bring the birth process into that, you know, and I just found it really fascinating as a woman who's supported women in birth and is also a huge advocate for everything that you stand for. And I loved how you kind of brought the the birthing aspect into birthing anything. It wasn't just birthing a baby. It was birthing a book. It was birthing, you know, yourself from maiden to mother. So, yeah, maybe just tell us a little bit about your journey of becoming the woman that you are today and, you know, being able to use that process for yourself and then share it with your readers about how we transition from that maiden to matriarch. I love it. I love it. I feel like just actually opening the book on a page and seeing what it wants to say. Yes. Um, Because the book literally has a spirit of its own. And once she entered into my world, I had no choice but to write it. And she's really fucking intense. Like, um, (laughs) right. So I I just opened it on a page, right? And it said, are you ready to reclaim your enoughness? And basically that whole um, chapter is about enoughness. Like, you know, we have this belief that we aren't enough. We don't have enough. Like there isn't enough, you know? And, and I think, yeah, really as women, we know that, but definitely in Ireland because of, you know, everything that happened with the famine and, you know, I don't even need to go into it, but there's this innate kind of belief that we aren't enough. There isn't enough. We don't have enough. There won't always be enough. And that's what's really shifting. But what did you ask me? So you asked me, oh, yes, about my own birthing yeah, journey. About your awakening, you know, about your feminine awakening. Like, I know that you are a woman from the streets of Donamede. And then you went and, you know, you found yourself in the fields of Ghana where you were <laughs> just absolutely like, you know, picking cacao and creating so much abundance for yourself in that way and and bringing back that ancient and incredible medicine, earth medicine to Ireland. And I just wanted to kind of know about the journey of getting from being a young girl in Dublin, in Donamede, one of the lads to (laughs) where you are today and the journey that that took you on to become the woman that you are and the writer that you are and and the space holder and medicine woman that you are today. Oh, amazing. I'm so excited to talk about that because um, I'm sure you know Dee Mulrooney. I was only talking to Dee Mulrooney there a couple of weeks ago and I said, what the fuck is it with the waters in Donamede? Because there's so many people like that are just like so awoke, you know, from Donamede. And and we were laughing, saying it must be the Holy Well, because there's a, there, you know, there's an estate called Holy Well, which is actually, you know, Damien Dempsey. And he's from there. He has a play at the moment called Tales from Holy Well. 
No, but, my dad just went the other day. He said it was oh, incredible. Damo was a good pal of mine. But oh, I love is he? Oh, well, shout out to Damo. What a legend. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Donnymead. And there, honestly, it was, um, yeah, I mean, I spent the time just, you know, hanging around, hanging around the streets. Hanging you know, around the big walls and there are streets and all. Yeah. yeah. And hemorrhoids. Do you remember that fucking old wise thing? You'll get piles if you sit on the wall. But like, yeah, we spent our time just hanging around. And I was going to school in Rohini and I was hanging around Rohini. And, you know, I was in a rough crowd, like drinking drugs and getting arrested and stuff like that. And I kind of was uh, just a bit of a tear away, you know, because I was so sensitive and awake. And now I understand that you know, that sensitivity was just completely overwhelming that I needed to numb, like, numb anything, you know, men, uh, distraction, uh, drugs, anything. So I ended up being pregnant when I was 19 and I was in a relationship with um, with a man who was extremely abusive and an alcoholic and a drug addict. And so that was really my rite of passage. Like that was, that was, and I wrote about that because it was, so pivotal because um like my labor experience like I went into labor because of an experience of abuse and my waters broke and so it was like it was I was a midwife at the time I trained as a midwife when I started when I was 19 um so I was kind of seeing all these women, you know, going through their birth and being tended to by their loving partners. And then I was like, there's something really, really wrong, you know, but I was just so lost at the time, you know. So really, Dylan, when I had Dylan, he was is such a wise man, like and has been the easiest child ever. And I could have only handled a very easy child like Jesus. But he was my teacher. He became my teacher. And like, even he would be like, when my name was Albert and and when I was living in 1916 and whatever, like, so he's just like so tuned in and so old that he really was like the greatest teacher for me. And, you know, I only really became a mother this year. Like, I really feel that um, during the book writing process, having to really process like like the way I became a mother, like I became a mother physically, but I was a maiden, you know? So I've really only awoken into the great mother this year. And um, it's just funny that it's 11 years later, but it's only now that I'm really embodying it. Um, So like, I was always a very psychic, spiritual child, but I completely tried to numb it. And then eventually when I got out of that abusive relationship, it was because of spirit. Um, so like I remember I was in the bath one night and spirit was like your rent or your lease is up in a in a month this is what you need to do step by step by step and then so every day it would be like pack your bag and drop a bag over to my friend Aoife drop a bag here and drop. so it was unnoticeable that I was kind of packing up and then on the day, then I just got a message like, just leave now. And it was so like smooth that I was able to exit that relationship, like, you know, because there was a couple of near death experiences. Um, so like that was really the beginning of the spiritual awakening. And then like many, 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 many plant medicine like, ceremonies and fucking like initiations around the world of like India and Bali and where you are and um those beautiful water temples there and then Ghana I mean Ghana is a whole different story <laughs> what led you there tell me about that calling that you know you answered yeah so um Jesus I was I was in a, a ceremony with Dara Stewart a good friend of mine and um I had my eyes closed and I and I just gotten a lease like my lease was up for um and I got my notice for my apartment and like I had this the whole way through like uh COVID I was just like I had this like I was going through my Saturn return I don't know whether you know much about astrology but it's like yeah it was just like at the whole crumbling I was going through my death writing the book um that many people are going through now and uh so yeah basically I uh was sitting in a ceremony and I this tree right was just like talking to me during the ceremony we were in Phoenix Park and I was like 
that's weird. And anyway, I closed my eyes and whatever. And this guy sat down beside me and I could feel the energy of this fella. And, uh, and I opened my eyes and he was a guy from Zimbabwe. And uh, mm. and I was just like, that tree? And he was like, that's an African tree. And I was like, oh my God. And I had this like deep longing like in my soul to go to Africa like my whole life I used to actually think I was African I used to pretend I was African and you know like so obviously there's definitely lifetimes there you know but I went home that night uh, and I knew my lease was up and I was just like fuck it and I took Dylan out of school and I and I booked a flight and I went to Ghana of all places like nobody recommended Ghana to me everyone was like oh um Malawi and fucking Zambian I was like Ghana then right so so then yeah I just was on a flight six weeks later and uh my whole life fucking changed over there like mm-hmm. it was it was such a fucking whirlwind um like I fell in love over there and it was a whole whirlwind love um that was not meant to be but it was just meant to be for that time um and yeah, I mean, my the relationship with the spirit of cacao like was made a completion. I had been serving cacao for maybe four years and it was her that brought me over there, you know, and brought me into the jungle. And we were on a motorbike in the jungle and then the motorbike crashed. And then we ended up like crashing into a cacao tree that the acre of land was for sale. And that was like, for fuck's sake, like, you know, like we were just it was just like led by spirit every step of the way and and then to the point where it was like right it's time to go home and that was very made very clear mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um with that like I know you spoke into the crumbling like I felt that a lot over those years of COVID you know it was just such a like a, a whole two years kind of a dark night of the soul but it really brought a lot of things into perspective and helped a lot of people I think you know come home to their own sense of sovereignty in their self and, and, and really understand what matters and, and recognize how much we've all been living in this kind of autopilot, you know, outsourcing our power and waiting to be told what to do and how to act. And, you know, it's just, it was such a, a huge eye opener for me. And that's why I started this podcast because I felt so lonely in my awakening and understanding of the world. And, you know, it was really confronting at times to not feel like other people could see what I could see or hear what I could hear in terms of the spirit guiding us and calling us forward, you know. And um, I wanted to have the conversations with women who were, you know, also living, loving and leading from this feminine kind of way and expression and not being afraid to stand up and speak their truth and own their power. And uh, yeah, you mentioned there that, you know, the, you were a maiden and then you become this great mother. But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for you to, to be the great mother? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, I've actually got full body shivers. Um, I mean, oh, oh, like... <laughs> The great mother to me is the the presence of full creative power. Like she is what births life, conceives life, gestates life. She's what destroys, you know, and decays life. She is pure creation. I believe she is God goddess like I actually you know the more I'm actually looking at a Courtney Davis picture and it's just like fucking vibrating here and it's um of well like the great mother but um it she's she I believe is what is working through us all and and I think she's what's really rising up I think she's always been there but we've been disconnected from the mother and I think um you know everything is a reflection so if you look at the birthing world if you look at mothers right all over the world that are suffering you know and 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 children that are disconnected from their physical mothers and the pain there right I think it's a reflection of the disconnect from the great mother and the disconnect from the land I think it's all the same and I think if we are to bring any sort of harmony to the planet to the globe to the universe 
it we first have to start by a reconnection back to the great mother um and that is a connection back to all that is life and uh death and birth and um you know, I have just been speaking so much about the placenta because the placenta is coming in like, speak about me, speak about me, speak about me. Because if we think about even the placenta as a metaphor, like, and we are the babies, you know, like we're in the great womb of the great mother and we have a cord to her and a placenta to her that is just pulsating life force and love and nourishment and all our needs and all our desires and the abundance that we need and the creativity that we need. And at the same time, there's, you know, with this, with a cord, there's two arteries and a vein. And there's also um what's been taken away, detoxed, like with a placenta, it would be detoxing like drugs and harmful chemicals and blah, blah, blah. But actually the great mother is detoxing us of our pain and of our, of negative energy and of what we're carrying and, so I think if we can just reconnect back to even that as a metaphor of this sacred placenta and cord to the great mother, like that baby doesn't want for anything. That baby doesn't have to be like manifesting my money or manifesting my next piece of food or nutrition. It's just like it just is. And it just receives this pulsating life force. Um, so the great mother, like. I think she's she's rising up for everybody. And I um, you know, I'm kind of laughing because myself and my friend, you know, Celine Doyle. Um Celine's an amazing what I've seen her, I think. Did she go to Glastonbury with you? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the four of us, me, Jen, Sinead, and Celine, were like just massively initiated into the great mother in Glastonbury. Me and Celine were laughing the other day because I said, uh, you know, if I fucking threw up a vision board workshop, I'd have a hundred people on it. But I'm talking about the placenta and no one wants to come. <laughs> and she's like, I know, it's because she was running it. She's running something about the great mother. And she's like, no one wants to fucking come. But if I did uh, self-love, you know, something a little bit more, you know, acceptable or whatever. So it's just funny because it's big, it's big energy. And sometimes it can be quite intimidating. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I do feel like people are kind of starting to understand and, you know, and that's what we're here for. Like you can feel like you're banging against the brick wall sometimes and stop banging on about the feminine and the great mother. Like, are you gone crazy or what? You know, it's so far removed from who we used to be and what we used to be like, I guess, back in in our younger days. And, you know, but I just feel like Ireland is definitely going through a bit of a an awakening in terms of, you know, St. Bridget's Day being recognized. And there was so much conversation around that. And I had a big conversation with my dad around the same time because he didn't understand how I was speaking my truth. And, you know, the truth for me was different to the truth for him. And, you know, it felt really confronting for me to not be understood by him, to not be recognized or seen or celebrated for the things that I'm doing in terms of trying to raise the consciousness of the divine feminine as my contribution, contribution to humanity, you know. But it seems like that's not that's just not who he is or that's not on his radar. And But it's still an opportunity for us to stand in our truth and to continue to speak about these things that are obviously, you know, coming from, you know, they're coming from within, but we're being guided to them. You know, we're not crazy. We're not fucking um, gone Lula. Like it's only for the benefit of everybody to connect back to this great mother energy, to connect back to the mother within, to connect back to that feminine essence and ways of living and loving and leading. And um, just I'd love to chat to you because I know I remember you spoke to this on one of your masterclasses about the vow of insanity and how, you know, there was such a, a fear in you that you had to alchemize and work through in order to be able to birth this book into the world and speak in that sense and that way and really back yourself and this wisdom coming through. And I'd love to hear a bit more about that and, the, you know, the, the history of that in our lineage as, as, you know, Irish people and women in general and just also how you work through that so that, you know, anybody else going through that as they're listening to this can 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 guide themselves and initiate themselves past this vow or fear of insanity 
Oh my God, this is so huge. Um, and this was like the biggest, biggest, biggest um block, I'd say, that was keeping me really small. Um, so like I found out through this, through my whole healing kind of process, that um an aunt, so my mom's auntie was like she stood up in church or something, she started speaking out about like. I don't know, spirit maybe. And she was put in a mental institution and she died there. Like, so she was put in there when she was like 19 and then she spent the rest of her life there and she was medicated. And then she ended up like just completely like having complete soul loss. Like, so she would have just been like, you know, in a chair rocking, you know, and not being able to communicate and stuff. So she died and her name was Bridget, right? Which is just really interesting. So she, I started to just really feel her energy coming in strong. So anytime that I would be really stepping into something or speaking out about something, I feel her fear. I feel her like, you're going to go mad. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to la, 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 la. And but I didn't really understand what was happening. I thought it was my own fear. I thought I was going to go mad. Um, and it was mushrooms actually that really fucking brought me to madness right so I had I had a ceremony with mushrooms a very high dose ceremony and they brought me to madness like they were like you want to fucking see madness well then let's go to madness and like we like I lost my mind you know and I kept saying to the man who was holding the space for me like I'm going mad and he was like well let yourself go mad like let yourself you know, because it's the controlling, trying to not go mad that the resistance is creating the suffering. So why don't, why not let yourself go mad? So then it was like, I was like, okay. And I just surrendered. And then I did go mad, but it was multicolored and it was beautiful. And it was like creative energy and it was absolute nonsense. And it was like fucking mushroom energy. Right. So it was like complete madness. So I now it wasn't a once off every fucking time I went into it, every time I dropped into the body, I would be faced with this, like, I'm going to go mad. I'm going to go mad. I'm going to go mad. And for me, what really triggered the, the, the fear of insanity was pleasure was the orgasmic energy. So a really good friend of mine, Danielle um, Hogard, she's over in California. We were holding space for each other for a year. We'd do one hour and then we'd swap over. And she really works with the sensual energy and, and pleasure and stuff. And I would go into like an embodiment practice and then I'd be flooded with orgasmic energy, like as in full body, not in a sexual way, but just the orgasmic energy. And then I'd be like, oh, I try and ground myself. I'd be like, oh, oh, whoa, that was really fucking intense. So I really had to work with my nervous system to be able to hold the orgasmic energy because it was so petrified. And I think like the more then I was able to hold a container for pleasure, the more pleasure I got to experience in life. Because if you think about if there's that deep fear of like, I will go insane if I experience pleasure, right? It doesn't make sense. But if the nervous system believes that it'll get rid of a loving relationship and it'll self-sabotage your money and it will, because it's so petrified of that orgasmic energy of life force. So yeah, for me that it was like, for anybody listening that is really facing that, I would say like, connect with someone who's like doing shamanic work because sometimes it's ancestral sometimes it's past life sometimes it's like the collective and actually there's just needs to be like some sort of a soul retrieval um and I would definitely work with the body because it's all in the body so like embodiment work like the work of um Michaela Bohm and her non-linear movement and Jen Murphy and the Celtic embodiment like these kind of practices that are bringing you into the body so you can start uncovering things that are like the deep fears that are in there um but insanity is so real like it's you know fear of being perceived as insane fear of actually going insane like it's yeah have you experienced that fear like not so much, but I do feel like, yeah, it's definitely something that I fear being 
being perceived as insane, you know, or just being misunderstood and, you know, called crazy for thinking the way I think and, and doing the things that I do. And my great uncle, Jimmy, as well, I, he was a male, but he was a very, very in tune with his feminine side. I never would have known the masculine and feminine energy growing up, but he was then a teenager when he spoke out. He was very vocal. And I think he went through a breakup and got a little bit depressed. And he was he was put in a in a mental home in Wollongar for I think probably 20 years of his life, you know, he spent the good guts of his from 20 on to probably 45 or 50. And, and he actually came to live with us in his early 60s after um, my man met him at a, at, a, at a family function and he was going to go to England on his own. And mom said, no, sure, come to and live with us, you know. And he was there since I was about six. And he was like another mother figure to us. He would cook for us and like be there when we got home from school. And he's like, he was my birth guide. When I went on a shamanic journey, I met Jimmy for my birth guide for Bodhi, my son. So Bodhi is called Bodhi Jimmy. But yeah, I feel like, you know, there's always that sense of being being feared to be crazy or being, you know, just so different that you're outcast from society. You don't belong anymore and people don't want to listen to what you have to say, you know, and it definitely does live on in me and in terms of feeling like unsafe to speak your truth and to feel maybe a little bit lonely in speaking your truth because it's not what other people, you know, perceive as what sh should be said or whatever. So, yeah, I do feel, I feel that that kind of came up for me when I heard you speaking about it. I'd never connected the dots before in that way, you know, but it is real in my family history. And, and I just love that I have that kind of memory of Jimmy now and, and I get to speak out for him rather than fear it, you know, like that's our opportunity now is to, is to use our voice and to, you know, free those people in our lineage who didn't get a chance to maybe, or who were locked up or burned at the stake for doing it. And, and there is real fear attached to that, but it's about cultivating that sense of safety from within and really finding, uncovering all the stones inside ourselves that tell us that we were wrong or, you know, we're crazy and and being okay and understanding ourselves at a deep level so that we can speak confidently and and stand in our truth wholeheartedly and trust that you know we are guided when we're living in alignment and we are and that this is what this is what we're here for mm -hmm. yeah yeah and there's something very liberating about madness as well because when I really faced the madness it was liberation that I felt you know and I actually went to my brother's wedding in last year and it was like a big family occasion and everyone was coming to me going, you're fucking mad. Like we have you on Instagram, you're fucking mad. And I was like, yeah, I know. And then this, this auntie came up and actually it's really synchronistic because she's dying at the moment. And I went in to sit with her and do some healing work with her at the moment she's dying and uh, it was the most pleasurable thing and sacred thing because she came up to me at the wedding she goes they all think you're mad but they all think I'm mad too so let's be mad together and then I was and now I'm like doing a heal on her as she's passing and it was just very symbolic so there's something about owning the madness and being like everybody I'm mad right because your deepest fear is that people are going to think you're mad so fucking own it then Owning it, yeah, for sure. And I just think it's crazy that we can be perceived as mad when all we're doing is really bringing these ancient healing, beautiful awareness and consciousness and tools that we all get to access then to live a more harmonious and balanced and joyful and peaceful life. And to be to be perceived as fucking like mad for that is just it's beyond me now. I'm just kind of like, all right. <laughs> I was actually telling the story yesterday. It's so funny, but I was um, at a keening weekend, right? And we all, we were at this ocean and there was like seven or eight women, right? And we had keening shawls. So like black lace shawls over our face, right? Real dark looking, right? Black well, tell me about this keening thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're standing there and we're at the sea and we're keening, right? And all these seals come up, right? And they're just like these seals just watching us. And we're keening and keening and keening. And then this boat goes by, right? With three men on it. And they're just like this. 
because there's like seven women with black veils on their fucking face. Like it's the creepiest. It's like something out of like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then, so we were like kind of laughing. They're like, well, if you've ever been initiated into like fear of madness, this is it, right? And then afterwards they came up and they said, thank you. We don't understand what happened there, but thank you. We felt it. So like, even in the madness, like they were like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I'm feeling something. So like people are like, they might be highly triggered or, but they're feeling something, you know, but keening, keening. Yeah. So keening comes from Equina crying in Irish. Um, and like, again, she was the band Luna, the band Fasa, the wise woman, the handy woman. So the band Queencha. Um, and it was always the same woman. Like we have all these words for it, but she was just a wise woman. Um, and the keener, the keener would have, um, she would have been called to awake, um, an Irish wake, and she would have lamented and cried and grieved. And she would have basically initiated people into their grief. So she gave permission, really. And I think whenever anybody comes to any of my things, what they always say is, you gave me permission. Like, I, I'd be like, if you need to vomit, vomit. Like, if you need to, whatever you need to do to move through something, just do it. You know, no judgment. And so I think really what the the band Queencha did was she gave permission uh, to grieve, you know. So she would have been a huge part of, of that. And now, like, what the way I see Keening is this ancient song and I really just think it is the great mother singing through us you know that um allows grief to pass through a room so say for example I had a retreat there in November at Sowen and it was all about um the Kyliok okay and on the first night we had a keening ceremony and it is the most beautiful thing to witness. Like I, you know, it humbles me every day because it is such a, an intelligence greater than anything I can even imagine. It is nothing that I'm doing like genuinely, but it's the intelligence of the field of energy in the room. So I had, there was about 28 women and I had five people helping me. So there was lots of hands And what generally happens is I'll start to keen and then people will start kicking off in the room and and they'll they're the grief will come from the pits, you know. And the thing about it is nobody really understands. Like it's very it is again like birth. It's a non-ordinary space. It's an altered state of consciousness. So it's um, I always say to people, like, don't analyze it, you know, because I've I've keened over babies that I've lost that I genuinely in this lifetime haven't lost a baby. But I've been like my baby, you know, like and and I've just had to let that pass through me. And when whenever we're keen and it is it's a collective keen, it is our ancestral keen, it is. The land, I've, I mean, I've had the experience of the grief of the land coming through my body as well. So, um, but it's be- it's like an orchestra, you know, usually what, what ends up happening in a room is um, maybe half of the room will really go into a keen and they're in an altered state. And uh, and then the band queen, she usually works through me. So she, I can feel her coming into my body and she'll move me around a room. And when, when I'm being moved, I always have to say to people like, she's not very um polite like you know like there's no like she's very um whenever she's coming through me it's she I like I just see me grabbing people's hands and just come on come on come on (laughs) and I'd be bringing so say if you were in a really deep keen I might be moved to um grab Jen Murphy says she's in the room and without saying a word, I'm bringing her over to you and she just holds you and then you go deeper in your keen. So what ends up happening is this beautiful orchestra of women holding women and then really, really going into the deep grief. And then what usually happens is it it will pass like a wave and then sometimes it'll swap over where the person who is holding will then go into their own process. But it's like the most intelligent thing I've ever witnessed. Like I'm just gobsmacked every time that of like the intelligence of it, because there's there's women that like there was one woman at myself and Jen's um, Banshee 
mm-hmm. uh, retreat where say one woman had lost a door and then who she ended up holding represented her door and it brought her the completion that she needed when she was holding a woman who was in her 30s you know who would have been the same age so that's kind of what I keep seeing happen all the time is that the intelligence of the field will pull you in because you've got something for that other person and vice versa it's non-human you know And what is it that you can access then within when you go through this process? Like, you know, um, we've been going through a bit of a a shedding in in my Rebel Mac container with the with the women who are writing the book with me and we're shedding and we're letting die everything that we need to allow to die in order for, you know, to create the space for our new identities as authors to thrive. And I heard you again speak to this, which was beautiful and like how good Irish people used to be and still are, I guess, at at waking and celebrating death and allowing themselves to be seen in their grieving. Now, maybe over the years, we've, we've used alcohol and things like that to actually numb the feelings. And what you're doing now is bringing in the ancient practice and the sacredness of that. Um, but in terms of, you know, being able to, maybe some people listening, they don't have any, they don't think they have anything to grieve, you know, but in terms of ourselves and all of the parts of ourselves that get to die in order for, our, our, you know, who we want to be to rise. Tell me a little bit about the process of using these tools or other rituals to be able to allow parts of us to die and and really like bring that completion so that we can move forward. Mm, Yeah, I think the thing is that there's grief inside of all of us. Um, You know, there's grief of the life that we thought we would have. That's the biggest one. Like, so when we think of grief and death, it's not, it's like, I mean, a fraction of that is about, you know, the death of a person, but like, we're going through death all the time, you know? So like a woman who is maybe 45 and has to accept that she's not going to have children or someone who's in their fifties and thought that they would have a, have a partner by then, you know? Like these are all deep griefs, you know, that we have to actually grieve. For me, I had to grieve the 11 years of not really being a mother, you know, like I had to really grieve the birth experience, you know, that I didn't have or, you know, the initiation into being a mother that I didn't have. Like that was a huge grief and a huge loss. So I think regardless of, um, losing someone and actually the grief of that like we have such grief and um definitely the grief of Ireland is huge like really huge um and like even like for yourself like you're in uh, Bali like you're gonna have a grief for Ireland you know that I'm Mm -hmm. sure you feel um so but what ends up happening is when we can actually allow our grief to pass through us and be given a passage through the body and out what I really believe the keen is is it being witnessed and I think when it can be witnessed then that's what brings the completion so like say for example if you've had a termination right five years ago and you've grieved that yourself and um, but it, you never fully got the completion to be held in your grief of that termination by seven women that are witnessing you, that are holding you, that their sole purpose is just to hold you and witness your grief. That brings the completion like for generations of people, you know, because it's the witness in it, I think that completes it. And then what ends up happening is there's this spaciousness that is created, like, you know, the in the womb. And then that's where new life comes in. And you know, grief stored in the womb becomes endometriosis, it becomes fibroids, it becomes cysts, it becomes infertility, you know, because it's it's basically grief in the womb saying, no, fuck off, like to new life. Like, and that needs to be acknowledged, witnessed, held, and given the permission to 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 be heard, you know. Mm. 
I love that. That's so beautiful and so true. And um, yeah, would you have any kind of rituals or tools to share with our listeners to be able to, like maybe they don't have access to seven women keening on the side of a a seafront right now, but like what kind of rituals would you recommend to that woman who was terminated or that woman who maybe will never have children? How can they bring completion to themselves? Yeah, beautiful. Like, so I have loads of rituals in the book, but my favorite one and the one that's kind of jumping out now is to create a funeral for you for this. And like we did this actually when I was doing the like master classes. So there is a master class on my Instagram around death and I go through this ritual. But really what it is, is it's like the whole idea of a ritual is that you're creating an altered state, you know, an altered space. That's the whole idea of an altar. So like you're going to create an altar and that altar might represent who you were, what you're letting go of, what is dying um, and then who you are becoming, you know, or maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe that can be another ritual. And I would literally lie. I would actually, you know, you can go as far as like writing a eulogy for yourself of like who you once were, you know, Um. And if you want to like lie out like um, a dress, like a really beautiful dress or something to represent, it's all about symbols. You know, if you do work with cacao or mugwort or any medicines, you know, have your medicine. You know, you can even have a whole fucking ceremony, you know, give yourself three hours to this, you know, and give yourself a funeral. Um, And I actually have a playlist if um. I can actually send it to you so you can throw it in the notes or whatever. I have a playlist that people can use for the keening ceremony or for their own funeral, you know. And the whole idea of it is, is to just give a ritual and a ceremony to the ending of who you once were, you know, Mm. because we are dying all the time. Like if you met me like even a year ago, like I'm a different person. Like she died, you know, she died and she'll never come back. And, you know, to be able to really honor her in the same way as we would when someone passes with a funeral or with a wake is really important. So, yeah, I would say like write a eulogy, have a ceremony, lay out your altar, even photographs of yourself, you know, I actually I did this, you know, when I was writing the book and I lay out like a, a kind of a pink dress. It was real maiden, you know, and um, then I was like, yeah, God. And even like the clothes that I wear now just completely shifted into like more grounded colors and reds and stuff like that. It was really interesting when I let go of the maiden in her like pinks, even though it was it's just such a you know small example of it. But for me, that represented the maiden version of me you can also write you know all of the qualities of the maiden and you know you can even you know put it on the back of a photograph and maybe have a fire ceremony where you offer it to the fire and yeah so really like that that's in the book where it's a funeral of your old self the death of your old self yeah I love that absolutely and I'd love to actually touch on that because you know as women who have traveled the world and you know gone through many awakenings you know and we die to certain parts of ourselves but then when we go back to places familiar like for me if I go back to Ireland and I've grown so much after living 15 years in Sydney birthing my babies powerfully and peacefully all the different rites of passage I've gone through but when I go back to Ireland sometimes I can come back to that little a girl inside that is running and numbing and hiding and reacting and distracting and being defensive and you know there's and and then I can you know go back to sabotaging patterns and behaviors and I just love to hear a little bit about your journey with that and you know who you became and your Ghana and then how you really stepped into your power coming back to Ireland and and how people maybe can be compassionate with themselves and patient with themselves in that process of taking two step one step forward and two steps back kind of thing and when we do die to somebody but then she comes back fucking like the banshee you know (laughs) I know I know that has been like for me it's a daily daily thing and I love working with internal family systems which is a really powerful modality like there's a book called no bad parts 
And it's all about how parts of us get frozen in time and exiled, um, depending on something that happened, like a trauma. So for me daily, I have to really tune into all of the parts that are inside me. And I have to ask them, what age are you? Four. OK, OK. Can you see me? Usually they can't see it. So then I'll kneel down. I say, can you see me? Can you look into my eyes? Can you see me as the woman I am today? I'm 31. You don't have to carry this. So there might be a four-year-old part that thinks, I have to run a fucking house in Bali. Like I have to like run a business. Like I have a husband or like I'm getting married. How do I organize a wedding? Do you know, but she's four. And you have to like sit down and go, you don't have to do any of that. Give it to me. Hand that over to me, you know? And then the relief. And then I usually say, well, what do you want to do? I want to dance. Like, I want to play. I want to play in the sand. I want to swim in the sea. Go, do that. Go. And in the dimension that she's in, she gets to be four. Now, sometimes those parts need to be updated and they need to be brought into the future. So they need to be brought into the present moment. So sometimes my day, I'm like, like, I'll see it. So I'd be like walking down the road and then I'll this whole because actually it's so funny, but like every time I drive through Donnemead, I get real defensive. <laughs> it's real funny. So like I, I'd be driving through Donnemead and then I'd be like, she heard fucking fucking. And then I'd notice that and I'd be like, what age are you? 14. Okay. Can you see me? Yeah. Okay. I'm 31. Can you see that? Do you want to come into the present moment? And then she comes into the present moment and then I feel her integrate back into my body. So all these parts, I just think we're going around collecting these parts that got lost and frozen in time. And that's the great mother as well, because that's real mothering, because we are being the mother to these little tiny parts of us. I had a part show up last week that was an embryo. (laughs) Yeah, like so I went into my body and I was like feeling overwhelmed, feeling really sensitive, feeling wide open. And I was like, what age are you? And it was like, I just seen an embryo and I was like, oh, right. Okay. So yeah, this amount of energy is really fucking hard to be running through the system of an embryo. So I was like, update, update, 31, 31. Right. Yeah. Now. Okay. My nervous system as a 31 year old can hold this huge amount of energy, but the embryo, you know, so it's like constantly going into the body. And finding out what age the part that is acting out is. So like for you, when you're saying going into all patterns every time you go back to Ireland, same way as me driving through Donamede and the part shows up because it's like, I I'm, I need attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And it's funny you say that about the embryo because I had an experience like that recently or a while back actually when I realized that, you know, I was I was always told the story that I was born with the coil on my head, you know, and um, it kind of when I got into the healing work, I understood that I'd made that mean when I was an embryo or when I was a spirit baby, that I was an unwanted inconvenience, you know, and that sometimes that would play out in my relationship with Dara. You know, if you pushed me out of the way, I'd get really, really triggered about it and I'd make it mean that I was an unwanted convenience when it wasn't true. I was just, you know, he was just wanting to move somewhere. And I had to do a lot of deep work on that to remind myself of the little embryo within that, like, I'm not an unwanted inconvenience. That wasn't the truth, that my mommy and daddy loved me and wanted me around, you know. Um, But, yeah, it's huge to be able to call back and recall all the aspects of yourself and all the different ways that you told yourself stories or built defense mechanisms in order to protect yourself and to be able to come back to the truth you know the truth there's so much much work to do with the in in utero stuff like because Mm. like the we're very conscious like we're coming into consciousness right but the last generation like they weren't, you know, because it's constantly evolving. So like there's a lot of unconsciousness that was happening when we were in the womb and we may have felt disconnect from life or disconnect from the great mother because we couldn't feel the consciousness. So I really think that there's a lot of, of work and I feel like that's why the midwifery for me has been my journey because yeah, I can work with midwifery as in physical mams and physical babies, but actually it's it's this kind of stuff as well of like, really like 
shamanically traveling to the in utero stuff and and tidying it up a little bit you know and like saying to you in in utero like you are wanted you are loved can you feel the connection to the great mother you may not feel the connection to your mother but can you feel it to the great mother you know you can bypass the mother and connect to the great mother and feel her love and connection so yeah yeah it's huge it's huge. And my mommy, like, she was incredible and she was very conscious, like, in terms of, you know, compared to a lot of people back then and made a, my parents made many radical decisions in order for us to live a more conscious and connected life, you know, but you can't stop the feelings and the, and the things that, you know, your experience, I guess. And it's just actually having an awareness for that. And yeah, it's so true. As you say, that must be why I was called into the birth space, into the doula space, into the consciously, consciously conceiving and supporting women in birth and, and being able to connect to their babies and their bodies so that they don't create those kind of imprints that then these babies live with for lifetimes, you know? And I think the babies coming in now, they're just so powerful too. And they... They just they've got so much lessons and, and the parents also are aware of that, which is beautiful. There's such a, a beautiful like the birth revolution is really growing and, and women are becoming so much more aware of like, I guess it's evolution really, too, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, completely. But yeah, tell me, I know you've got to go. You've got a big call. If you wanted to just finish up on, we're speaking about birth, how you birthed your book, how you brought those elements into birth in your book. And then, and tell us a bit more about your book and where people can find it and, and work with you and what they'll receive from this book. An incredible book that I can't oh. wait to have on my hands soon. Oh my God, it's so funny. I'm getting all these messages and I'm really taking the time to like listen to them. Like women are like, I opened the book and I had a panic attack. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I put the book down, I put it under my pillow and I said, okay, I'm not ready to read it just yet, but I will sleep with it, <laughs> right? So the book is coming in like a force and like some people are like, I've ordered the book, but I'm just going to sit with it in meditation. I'm just going to have it on my altar and I'm going to just pick it up as and when I need it. So I just trust that the spirit of that book is up to all sorts, the way she was with me. Yeah. So for me, like I wrote the book in, in nine months, like it was a pregnancy. And then we went into the liminal space with it where like it was three years, you know, it was three years before I actually published it then. So she really taught me about the, the birthing process as in the deep surrender that's needed into the timing of your birth. Like, and I mean, we're always rushing people, you know, inducing people and giving them due dates and stuff when actually like to really trust in a deeper, deeper timing, you know, and like the divine timing for your creation, your baby, your partner, your career, you know? So for me, the birthing process was one of deep trust, deep surrender and and knowing that it's a co-creation with something fucking huge like I could have written that book and said I wrote the book but I know I didn't write the book and I know because she's changed me and I know it's a her and I've met the spirit of it and you know so for me yeah she's really initiated me into what real midwifery is and what what birth really is so yeah you can find it on amazon it's on kindle as well um uk it's not being stocked on amazon uk because of brexit but it is delivering to uk but the best if you're in like europe is amazon.de which is the german one and the um that's the quickest delivery so uh, yeah Beautiful. And the book goes through all the different processes and, and phases of birth and helps women rebirth themselves, really, isn't it? That's what it's all about. And I love that. And I love how you speak of it. I, I speak of her as an energy and an entity of her own. And I'm creating a multi-author book at the minute and calling women into that. And I feel the same, like the rebel man energy. She's not me. She's not them. She's just this fucking absolute force to be reckoned with that's speaking to us and through us and wants to be shared and wants to be felt and wants and is calling us all forward into these fucking more soft yet strong you know fierce and free the liberated women that we were born to fucking be and it's just so incredible so beautiful I can't wait to read your book 
Yeah, it's going to be so good, honey. But it's just been such a beautiful pleasure to chat to you today. I could talk to you for bleeding hours. I'm sorry that we Oh, I know. I, I feel like Spirit arranged that to just be an hour because they're like, fucking, we have to put Rebel Man Woman on hold. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> we need boundaries. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, mind yourself. Thank and, you. Uh, I'll put all your links in so people can find you and the incredible work that you do. And let's just keep booking. Let's just keep doing the thing and keep rising, girlfriend. Beautiful. Lots of love, everybody. Bye. So I hope you received some nuggets of inspiration from this episode and I hope it helps you with your rising. Thank you so much for listening. It just means the world to me to know that peeps are picking up what I'm putting down. So if you did like it and something resonated, please share it on your socials and and spread the word, you know, screenshot it and share it and, and let me know what landed for you and what you'd love to hear more about so that I can continue to create content that lights you up. Uh, It's my mission on this planet to get, you know, more women lit up and liberated to fuck. And I'm here for the women to remember the magic of who they are and to go out there and shine bright. So also, I have a very special invitation for anybody who's listening. I'm currently calling in women into my vision of creating a collaboration book. It's called Rebel Ma, Rising in the Time of the Feminine. And I want to show the world how good it can be when we live, love and lead by embodying our unfuckable feminine energy and go all in on our dreams. Now, if this sounds like something that activates you and that feels like a full body yes, then jump on a call with me. Check out the link below for more info and let's chat about how you can be a part of this book and become a published author in 2023. The links are below. Just feel into it. You know where your heart is telling you to go and I can't wait to meet you there.